All right, welcome to How to Actually Change the World. My name is Darvin Wentes. And I'm Ray Pearson Ben. And we are your hosts. We're very excited, as usual. <laughs> uh, we love this podcast. We love doing this mm -hmm. podcast, and it's so much fun uh, getting to meet some awesome people. Uh, and today, can I say something to you, though? Yes, you can. I'm allowed. Uh, congratulations, Star. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. He had a personal milestone that yes. he achieved. If you want yes, to say, I, uh, I got a ring. Yeah, I got married. Uh, yeah, I love. He put a ring on it. She put a ring on it. She put a ring on it too. Congratulations! Thank you so much, Stephanie. And speaking of Stephanie, we have an awesome guest named Stephanie Longo. She is an alumni of Regent. Stephanie, would you tell us uh, what you got your degree in here at Regent? Sure. So I got my master's degree in journalism from Regent in 2009, and I'm also currently a student in the Doctor of Strategic Communication program. Oh, wow. That is awesome. And in yeah. the DSC program, that's great, great program. I've heard a lot of great things. Um, before we jump further in we'll take a quick pause and ask you please like subscribe go ahead and leave a comment and hit that notification bell that way you can get notified every single time we drop an episode and i really would like to get to know stephanie a little bit better so before we jump into like the heavy meat stuff of who you are just give us some light facts about you things that the folks at home have no idea about Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, she's, a, she's like, let me use a filter. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? It's There's actually a lot of really cool things. So um, when I was thinking about, like, what are some fun facts about me? So I'm actually a dual citizen of the United States and Italy. I love saying that wow, because that's cool. I'm just as patriotic for Italy as I am the United States. So I always like to tell people that that is awesome and um, you're speaking of putting a ring on it um, I'm going to be putting an official ring on it next October um, my wow wow congratulations October. so um, his name's Sean he's a professor of history at the University of Scranton and um, wow really excited um, cannot cool. wait so yeah, and she was wise enough to give him a shout out. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, yeah, he's just as I, I think that he's more fascinating than I am. So the best of where she's Scranton's also um, my other alma mater. I have my bachelor's degree in Italian and French and my first master's in history from the University of Scranton. So wow, oh, you yeah, uh, hold up, time. you're really deep, honey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that I've well, been to school, like most of my life. <laughs> that is definitely wow. like. Wow. Holy and you said Italian and French, did you say? Yes. Yes. Italian and French. Yes. Oh, that is so. Do you happen to know how to fix any dishes, any Italian dishes or French dishes? Oh, yes. So don't forget my family. So we're all off the boat. My mother was that the first American awesome. born generation. So I learned how to cook from her. But oh, she learned yeah. how to cook from everybody that was actually off the boat from Italy. So we have all these great family recipes and um, things that I try to learn too. Like I love making homemade pastas and mm -hmm. all sorts oh my of goodness. things like that. Like anytime that I get a chance to cook, I am cooking or baking. And a big tradition for weddings in Italy, um, Italian-American families actually, is the um, Italian cookie tray. So now we're trying to figure out which cookies we want on the trays and all that. And 
It's just a really great so thing. So Stephanie yes. is my new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> we can exchange recipes. I would love to do Yes. That. I, I, I'm all into soul food, oh. but I love, I love tasting the world. Me too. And so yeah. I would, I would love to trade recipes with Oh you. yeah. And Liana has a couple of really great ones too that I can send over to you and we can trade some recipes. That and way. you cook too, don't I, you? I that was a that. wonderful shout out. But you, yes, he cooks. <laughs> oh, I do. Funny. I do enjoy cooking. I think you and I actually connect on that on that level a little bit. I so my father, uh, he is from Ecuador, and so he moved here, and I was born here. Then after that, so uh, you know, we are connected to our cultures and to our our heritage a little closer in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is awesome. It's such a cool cool experience. Speaking of experience, so you told us you're Italian. And American, mm-hmm. uh, you uh, have your experience here as an Italian American. What is what's different? What's different about your life as an Italian American? Oh my goodness! I think that because I've done it professionally, so I have three books out on my area, so northeastern Pennsylvania. If the Scranton didn't tip people off before, uh, <laughs> I have um, three books out about our area's Italian American heritage and culture. So constantly learning about it, constantly trying to discover things. And um, my current day job is the associate producer of the Italian American podcast. So I guess I'm kind of like a professional Italian American in a lot of ways. (laughs) I don't really know how to describe it other than that. But I'm constantly discovering things about the Italian experience. And it's fascinating to me because um, I could go to an Italian area. So my fiance and I were recently out in Kansas visiting his family. So we went to Kansas City, Missouri to check out their little Italy because he knows I love seeing these things. And I felt just as much at home in their little Italy as I do in downtown Scranton. But the really cool thing was they have their own culture that I was able to learn about and still find some commonalities and some common ground and things that are common to the experience. But they also were able to transfer that into their own experience in Kansas City that wouldn't be the same in Scranton. So there's mm-hmm. that area where we all come together and there's where the local influences play a part. So I'm constantly learning no matter where I go. Well, yeah. it's kind of sounds like you are a historian. Yes, are I am. You, would you consider yourself a historian? It, is that because of the things you like to do or is that something that came academically? A little bit of both. So when I did my bachelor's degree, I was a history minor. And then my first master's is in history as well. So... It's something that I've always loved, but then I, I don't want to say I came over to the dark side in journalism and communications, but... Um, don't I, say that because I, I have a degree. No, but you know what? It's, it's, it's a joke because, <laughs> you know, not, not the degrees or anything, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, everybody expected me to go and, like, do a PhD in history. But what happened was my um, career advisor at University of Scranton saw that there was a job locally in um, a newspaper and she said to me, she's like, I think you'd be really good at this because you love writing so much. I thought, okay, that'll be fun. Like, well, you know, I finish up. I loved it. I loved mm. everything about it. I loved writing for the newspapers. And I thought I could still do history things. And I, I have been able to stay mm. in the mm-hmm. field. But I just love journalism and communication so much from that initial experience writing for a newspaper that I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I could probably be a features writer and start combining some historic things for the masses and start putting that in. And I just, I went with it and I loved it so much that I ended up coming to Regent for my master's in journalism. 
I thought, well, nobody's going to hire me at full time at a newspaper if I don't have some sort of a background in it. And I looked around online. Um, I was originally at Marywood University in Scranton and um, doing a uh, master's in communications there. Unfortunately, I had a job as a newspaper editor full time. And when you're a full time newspaper editor, you can't go into a traditional classroom full time. It's yeah. just impossible. So yes. I thought I need to transfer this online. So I just started looking for online programs in journalism for a master's degree and a lot of them required you to have a bachelor's degree in communications or a related field. Italian and French didn't really fit that, neither did history. So I was like, what am I going to do? And I found Regent and Regent had this, I say, a brilliant vision because they realized, hey, wait a second, just because your degree isn't in the subject doesn't mean that you can't have the subject. Absolutely. And I applied, I got in, I demonstrated that I was actually working in the field, that it wasn't something at random. And mm-hmm. I Regent has been my academic home ever since. That's, awesome. oh, that's yeah. beautiful. That's yeah, so cool. people, you know, you just don't want to get pigeonholed. And yes. I think we have the capacity, uh, the brain capacity to really uh, have a thirst for many different things mm-hmm. and be successful in many different areas. So I do think that you're right, that Regent is an answer to prayer yeah. for a people who who have a lot of different things that they feel like they want to excel in. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that we have the online program that we have is just awesome because we have so many options for people to choose and that was cool that you were able to find that fit and something that actually worked for you and could work with your schedule mm-hmm. um you know in full-time news which is you know way busier than yes. so many fields you know uh, i know stephanie <laughs> you get it you get it and i mean uh-huh. the thing that i love the most about regent and I try to tell this to people because now that I'm in the DSC program, I get people on LinkedIn. And if anybody ever wants to, yeah, message me. I'm happy to sing the praises of Regent. But they ask me, like, you know, what's Regent really like? And the first thing that I always say is it's an online school for me because I only have been to Virginia Beach once, although I'd like to change that because I love it down there. Mm-hmm. But I feel so connected to everyone. Um Your professors, even though you might just be meeting them on Zoom or maybe a phone call or just seeing them in class that way, you have a good relationship with them. I know that I could go to Dr. Myers or Dr. Scott in the DSC program and I could ask them things and I know that they're there for me. And you don't get that in a lot of online schools. Um, The late, great Dr. Bruce Swaffield, he was my um, mentor for my master's degree and he and I would constantly have a banter going back and forth in email. And, you know, I felt like instead of being just a name on a screen, I was a human mm-hmm. being. And I think that's what sets Regent's online programs apart from other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I th- surprisingly, I think the relationship that you can form when you're online as a Regent student is in many cases stronger than that of those who are on campus at other universities. Yeah. You know, so it, it, I think it speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is really cool. I I want to know what kind of drew you into the communications other than necessarily just getting a job in it. What was it about communications that really was like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. Well, you know, coming from a history background, I feel like communications is kind of like the rough draft of history, if you want to put it out there like that. 
you know, when you're looking at primary sources, a lot of times you're looking at newspaper articles or something that draws into the communications field. So you're looking at that to help you as a historian write history. And I really loved that. But as the digital world started becoming a thing, because, you know, my mm-hmm. master's in journalism was 2009, things have totally changed since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized we need to be able to start somehow transferring that love and that knowledge of history that we have onto the digital environment. So I've become very excited about, you know, the idea of virtual museums or how to promote this online or what, you know. I like to figure out how to navigate that digital world. And I just found that so fascinating because there's so much that you could do digitally that people don't realize. We're able to work remotely now, especially I think because of the COVID pandemic, everybody's realizing that we can work remotely Mm -hmm. with online classes. You know, the sky is really the limit in the digital world. And, you know, maybe my history background kind of was the tip of the iceberg for that. But now I'm just like, well, what else can we do online? What, how else can we do this? And how are we communicating to people? And how are our personalities being shown? And what can we actually do online? And mm-hmm. it's just become more and more fascinating to me. I love social media. I love just mm-hmm. watching interactions on social media and seeing how people communicate and what that means and what the implications are and some of the psychology behind it. It's just Every little aspect of the field has begun to fascinate me more and more. That's awesome. Now, I think one thing I noticed with communications, and that was my undergrad degree at SpeechCom, is that any position that you're going to see advertised always asks that you are an effective communicator or asks that you have Mm -hmm. some form of developed communication background. And that was one thing that really stood out with me, that instead of just saying I'm a great talker because, you know, prior to communications, I still like to talk, but to actually um, find out academically how to narrow the conversation, how to also be an active listener, um, because that's a strong part of communication. And I just felt so empowered because of all the great things that I felt like were gifts to Mm -hmm. me from the Lord that became a, an academic like booster. Yep. And so I'm looking at you, Stephanie, and chatting with you and seeing like, oh my goodness, natural born communicator. I, you know, I would have just, you know, talking to you about being a historian, all of those things. I absolutely love documentaries. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like people who are in communications are yeah. also people who are incredibly thirsty yes. for knowledge. Yeah. And, you know, they just have to know. Yes. And I have to know. <laughs> and that's the same thing with a historian. I think historians, too. The one thing about us is, like, we want to know and we're going to investigate this and we're going to find things out. And I think that that's where communications and history really converge as fields yeah. because, again, the communicator wants to know how this is being communicated and, you know, where, how did they report this historic event? Because I noticed that when I was reporting as a journalist, like, how am I reporting this? Because who knows if a hundred years from now, someone's going to read my article to get an idea of what happened. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's a very unique div. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to get your unique perspective here shortly, but we have to take a quick break. Okay. So we will come back and we will see what this unique perspective adds to your life as not only a historian, but also a communicator. Okay. We'll be right back. 
Regent University is offering three exclusive scholarship opportunities for new on-campus undergraduate students. A $10,000 Freedom Scholarship, a $4,000 Private School Scholarship, and a $4,000 Homeschool Scholarship. High school students can learn more at www.regent.edu. And we are back. We were just chatting uh, about some cool interplay between communications and uh, and history, and you know, having a thirst and a hunger mm-hmm. for the the commonality of those two things is the facts, the the real things that are going on, knowledge. Uh, so Stephanie just wanted to kind of get your perspective as a historian and a journalist. You know what what is that like? What was it like to know the history and know what journalists previous have done? You mentioned how you you th- think about those that may use your uh, journalistic work in the future to report on history. Uh, why don't you give us your perspective on that? Oh wow! So you know what. To me, it kind of goes back to what the whole premise of the DSC is, because what we're learning is how to be strategic thinkers, strategic communicators, and you know, we're getting a full, wonderful perspective on how to actually think. And it's pretty cool because some of the things that I'm learning academically now, I feel like I've been doing all along because I had that history background. And, yeah. you know... The amazing thing is, at least to me, when you're thinking about, say, writing an article, you have to think about how you're phrasing it. You have to think about how it's being presented, like how a reader is actually going to react to it. And of course, you also want to make sure that the person that you're writing about, that you don't get hate mail from them, <laughs> that kind of yeah. a thing, unless you unless, unless you have yeah. something really bad, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. But, you know, you, you're always thinking about all these different factors that are coming into play. And I think that, at least from my perspective, when I was researching for my books, when I was doing the historic end of my career, um, you're always focusing on how something is perceived and what perspective someone was coming from when you're looking at that. And I think you know, mm-hmm. the study of history is also a study of strategic communication because at the end of the day, sure. when something is actually mm-hmm. presented, as history, mm-hmm. well, that was definitely communicated strategically in some way, shape, or form to be able to be that history. Mm-hmm. There's that saying that history mm-hmm. is written from the uh, perspective of the winner. Well, now we're seeing other perspectives yeah. coming into things. Mm-hmm. And I always like to say, like, that's the tie-in to strategic communication. That's the tie-in to the journalism field. And you know, they do work hand-in-hand. Hand. I would say to anybody that's considering a career in journalism or communication, take a history course while you're an undergrad. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. You, not only does it give you a wonderful um, way to test the, your writing skills, because you will improve from day one in a history course to the end of it, but it's also going to give you a different mm-hmm. way of thinking, and it's going to start giving you different perspectives and different considerations that you have to make. Um, I adjunct teach mm-hmm. both communications and history, and it's pretty cool okay. because I can use all of that in the classroom with my students and Sometimes they're just like, wait, what are you talking about here? How is this going to help me? And I get that in both both yeah. fields. And I'm just like, well, yeah, it's going to help you. And then at some point there's that aha moment where it's like, oh, wait a minute. I see how this is 
going to be done and I see how I have to present yep. this. That that really, I, I agree that, you know, with a, as a journalist, we have to be strong storytellers. And when as a as a person who's thirsty for history and, and mm-hmm. documentaries and, and reading those books that tell what was going on or, you know, what was happening in the past, it really strengthens your own storytelling yes. because you're able to see uh, the difference between a really strong story, a compelling story, the weaker story, how you can dissect a story. Yeah. And, and it really strengthens your ability to tell whatever story that you need to tell at present. Yeah. Uh, I think also with that, I want to tell people that that if you are a communications person, you know, you can do just about anything, just like Stephanie just talked about. Yep. She is an author, and you've mentioned it here and there. Darwin, you've mentioned it here and there, but I'd like you to break down your books. Can you kind of break down each one that you've authored and kind of tell us all how we can get a hold of it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I love talking about my books. Like, they're my babies. So. <laughs> um, my first <laughs> book was Italians of Northeastern Pennsylvania, so that was a general story of the Italian-American history in northeastern Pennsylvania. So I actually covered the 13-county region of northeast Pennsylvania in that book. Um, my second okay. one that's was cool. Dunmore. Dunmore is my hometown. I tell people I'm from Scranton because that's the one they've heard of, but I'm actually from Dunmore, Pennsylvania. Dunmore in okay. the, tw- the 2014 American Community Survey by the United States Census was actually listed as number 12 of the most Italian towns in the United States. Oh, wow. That is so it's cool. awesome. I'm just like, yeah, way to represent Dunmore. Like, you know, that's great. Yeah. And um, we have a very vibrant Italian community. But uh, that book was also like more of a history of the community of Dunmore with, of course, okay. touching on the Italian history because it's so prominent there. And then my third okay. one was Italians of Lackawanna County, which is just focusing on my home county. Dunmore is in Lackawanna County, Pennsylvania. The county seat is Scranton, and there's a whole wonderful Italian-American history of that area waiting to be discovered. Mm. So my publisher wanted me to do a deeper dive into Lackawanna County because of its prominence on the national level in terms of Italian-American history. That is so cool. I'll, yeah. I'll just say this real quick. I am from Lebanon. Oh, okay. Which is not I've far there. from Scranton, yeah. you know, two, three hours, yep. something like that. Um, and... Uh, I had no idea that eastern, northeastern Pennsylvania was very Italian. That is super cool to cool to hear because I come from Pennsylvania, Dutch. Yeah. You know, so it's like we have a lot of German, you know, and so that is really cool to hear. You know, there, there's those pockets everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's pockets uh, uh, where, you know, a culture, because it, where your family goes, that's likely where you're going to go if mm-hmm, there is exactly. immigration happening. You know, uh, my father came from Ecuador because his aunt was in New York, you know, and obviously New York is a hot spot to come into the country. Um, but he went to New York. Uh, my family moved to Lebanon because we had family that yep. had moved up to Lebanon when they came to the, the state. So there's always going to be those pockets. But that's cool that, that there is that pocket in northeast Pennsylvania. And I live just underneath that. And I didn't even know it, you know. Is is the Italian community still strong in those areas absolutely. now or just years back? Oh, absolutely. Okay. It is still strong to this day. I always tell people, make sure that if you come to our area, try to come for Memorial Day weekend because in Jessup, which is another one of the Scranton suburbs, 
there's this wonderful feast. It's called La Corsa dei Cieri or St. Ubaldo Day. And it is an exact mm-hmm. carbon copy of the one that they do in Gubbio, Italy. It is amazing. Wow. If, uh, just mm-hmm. the Italian culture come to life in our area. Just just come see that. Contact me. I'll be happy to take you around. It's just so much fun. So that is, that is great to know. I think me and me and my wife will uh, will head out that way at some time around Memorial Day, and we'll we'll contact you to yeah. find out. But more information. That's really cool. Well, with all the writing that you've done and all the research and you really have gone in a lot of different directions. So you have a lot of different um, areas and facets of who you are. How did Regent, how did Regent become a part of helping to prepare you for what you're doing today and what you plan to do in the future? Well, you know, the story of my DSC actually came from me turning 40. So, <laughs> When I turned 40, I thought to myself, what's the number one thing that you're going to regret professionally? And it was always not getting my doctorate. And I kind of had this um, shaky self-confidence moment where it was like, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? Am I too old to go back? Am I going to have the brains to go back? Like all these different things, because you know how we think, like we just try to psych ourselves out when we really shouldn't. And I thought, well, you know, I loved Regent so much when I did that master's in journalism. I'm going to just see what Regent has to offer. And I saw the PhD in communications, and then I saw the DSC. And I remember speaking to Jordan. She was my admissions advisor at Regent. And I said to her, I'm like, well, what's the difference? And she explained it to me. And I was like, that DSC sounds perfect because it's such hands-on work and really encouraging you to be a strategic thinker, strategic communicator. And I thought of my history background, my foreign language background too. Like all of that really seemed to, it. the DSC felt like it encompassed everything that I had done up until this point. And I applied yeah. for it. I was a nervous wreck. I remember just being like, please God, I really want to do this. I hope they accept me because at that point, you know, I didn't have any more academic papers. It was my books at this point and they needed to see how I wrote academically so I had to go back history masters because I didn't really have anything left also a computer crashed and I lost the hard drive from my my master's in journalism oh my so goodness. I really had to go oh back I was like this is going back 20 yeah. years are they going to accept me <laughs> what's going on mm-hmm. and wow. fortunately they did and it has just been wonderful I feel like coming back to Regent for my DSC has been the culmination of everything that I have worked for since setting foot on the University of Granton's campus for the first time in 1999 as a freshman. And what Regent has done for me personally and professionally, I cannot thank the school. I cannot thank God enough because Uh Regent has brought me from maybe a place of insecurity to a place where Uh I feel like I know what my path is and I feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's thanks to this school, every single course that I have taken in the DSC, Every single person I have met, all of my professors helped me get to where I am today, where now I actually see a clear path with this degree. Mm-hmm. Or maybe when I started it, I was like, all right, I'm I'm here. I'm doing my doctorate. This is great. I can't believe it. I'm actually doing this. And I didn't really know what I was going to be doing it for. And now I see mm-hmm. I want to teach communications on a full-time basis. I love it. And I didn't know that before taking up this program. And I have Dr. Myers and the entire staff of the DSC to thank for that because they've prayed with me and for me 
all of the people in our cohort have been so supportive. Um, we've all become really good friends. And that's another testament to Regions Online abilities because um, one of our students, Lauren, she's one of my best friends and we have not even met in person yet, but we talk all the time. Wow. And that's, that's thanks awesome. to Regent University. So I can't say enough of good things, but I do really feel that this program has put me in the position to really know what my path is. And I couldn't I couldn't be where I am without Regent. So praise God for that. Yeah. yeah Amen. God, that's awesome. And that's what we want. You know, that that's such a great testimony of mm -hmm. what the Lord can do. And through the stuff that mm -hmm. we're doing, you know, we want to advance his kingdom and we want to bring flourishing to his people. And so we're so glad that that you're experiencing that in your own life. Uh, we have one question that we ask everybody. But before we get to that question, I think this would be a fun question for our audience. Okay. And uh, we were enjoying having this conversation pre-show. <laughs> but would you give us a uh, just a, a little taste of Italian recipes? Mm. What is one cool recipe yes. you have from your family uh, that you think everyone should try? Oh. Mm -hmm. And we thank your mother. We thank we my thank mom. Your mother. We thank Mama Longo for this one. And she'll be all excited now <laughs> she got a shout out and I'll be great. <laughs> so my mother always tells me to do this really delicious quick sauce and it's what she tells everybody she told my fiance that she tells random people that she meets in the grocery store this is the best quick sauce <laughs> so you go to a italian store or a grocery store in my area they have it but i don't know four other areas of the united states in just a normal grocery store but go to an italian specialty shop it's called palmy tomatoes p-o-m-i and you just take that box. They are delicious. They're the San Marzano tomatoes. So they're coming right from Italy and they've just got that nice sun-kissed taste. I don't know how else to describe it. And you saute up some chopped garlic. Don't get the garlic in the jar because that's gross. You don't want to have that. Get the fresh garlic, cut it up, saute it in some olive oil. Take your herbs. I like fresh basil, fresh parsley. Do that. My mother puts a little bit of onion powder in, but if you can digest onions, I unfortunately cannot. Take your onions and caramelize them and just start making that, mix that in. Mm -hmm. um, some people put um, pepper in because they like a little bit of a spice. You could do the crushed red pepper or you could do a black pepper. Mm -hmm. um, you also want to put a little bit of sugar into the sauce so this way you could cut the acidity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And don't add too much salt. Some people like to add a little bit of salt. And I mean, that's a issue where you have to learn how to taste. Italian cooking is all about taste. Yeah. So you're tasting it as you go and seeing like, okay, this tastes great, or maybe I need a little bit of this, or I need a little extra of that, or no, you know what, I shouldn't have put this in, so I'm going to add more tomatoes to kind of cut that. So it's really, a, a, I guess, a strategic cooking, and we want to go back to the strategic communication thing. <laughs> <laughs> you're strategically communicating with the tomato sauce that you're trying to make. That's right. That is funny. Doctorate of strategic cooking. I love it. That, I, that's a great uh, one, and we should, next. we should talk that's to next. that. To start we need to talk about that. But, you know, I guess yes. I just used the doctorate of strategic communication right there because I strategically communicated how to make sauce. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, you did. Absolutely. Oh, and that tastes good over anything, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Any kind of pasta. Mm. I love making fresh mm. pasta. That's my thing. But you could get a nice imported pasta at the store. But if you make it, always make sure. And there's arguments all over Italian communities with this. But my mother taught me how to do my pasta this way. So that's how I will always do my pasta. I put a little bit of olive oil in the water and I put a little bit of salt in the water. So this way nothing sticks together and it's great. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. 
Oh, well, I'm hungry. I am hungry. <laughs> and I'm hungry for more, Stephanie. I'm hungry yes. for more. And I am hungry, and I'll segue into this. I am hungry to hear your answer oh to this question. <laughs> uh, so uh, this is a question we ask everyone, uh, and we'd like to get your unique perspective on this. What does it take for someone to actually change the world? So I've been thinking about this when you told me that this was going to be the question that you ask everybody. And I thought, how am I going to answer this? And I realized we can change the world by starting with ourselves. Because if you stop Mm. and think about it, we're a little world unto ourselves. We have our likes, our dislikes, Mm. what's going on. And you have to be able to come from a place of just genuine desire to help your community and that ripple effect then goes into it and then you could start changing the world. But it all starts with you. And the only way that you could really affect a good change in yourself is having a close personal relationship with God and just praying. Amen. And if you don't have that, you're not going to be able to change the world because God created the world. So he's going to tell you through your relationship what he needs you to do. I guess strategically communicating with God there too to go back into the DSC. But (laughs) we need to make sure that we have that open pathway with God and we always make sure that we keep him center so this way we could try to change the world. But again, you can't change the world unless you try to really focus yourself. And if you don't change yourself and change how you interact with the world, you're never going to be able to change. Absolutely. Then the world changes you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It does. It really does. Like the DSC program changed Uh, me. Yes. (laughs) For the better. Yes. Yes. For the better. And now we get to interview you and have this great conversation. Oh, yeah. This has been fun. It has been fantastic. Well, Stephanie, that was all the time we have today. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to speak. Thank you you. for having me. Thank you, thank you. My new best friend. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And any region students that want to contact me, please feel free. I can't do enough of things for region students. So just call me, contact me, Facebook me, however you want to reach me. I am always here for a region student. Thank you, Stephanie. And yes, please reach out to us as well. Uh, We'd love to get you in contact with the people here at Regent to help you out. If you'd like to come and apply, if you'd like to enroll here at Regent, we would love to hear from you. Uh, And we'd love to hear your questions too for the the different alumni that we have. We have so many cool people that are doing awesome things, just like Stephanie, and we would love to share them with you guys. So if there's anyone that you guys would like to uh, like, pitch to us to also tell us like, hey, this is a cool field that I don't know much about. And it seems like you guys have. Do you have any alumni? We'd love to talk to you about that or possibly get them onto the podcast. Um, So with that, thank you so much for joining us. Please like, subscribe, go ahead and leave a comment and hit that bell notification. So that way you can get notified every single time. And share it with your friends. Yes. Share it with Mm -hmm. all your friends. Mm -hmm. Send them the link. Post it on your socials. Uh, and definitely make that sauce. Stephanie, thank you for sharing that with our audience. My name is Darvin Wentes. And I'm Ray Pearson Ben. And we hope you have a wonderful day.